Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. And it is my favorite uh, duty as uh, a managing director, I must say. And today we're going to talk about storytelling in a data-driven world. Very exciting and uh, important topic. And we have an expert, as always, who will talk about this uh, topic with us uh, today, nonetheless, now Frank Rose, who is a digital anthropologist, strategic storyteller, and author of two books. The, the famous book, maybe 10 years ago, The Art of Immersion, that I know was a, a bestseller when it came out. And now lately, also the new book, The Sweet with Swimming, How Stories Work in a Data-Driven World. So with that, I think we have a lot of interesting stuff to cover here today. So welcome to the podcast, Frank. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Jacob. Really glad to be here. Well, it's so good to have you with us here. And uh, are you really an, uh, um, an expert in this field? I'm so interested to dive into all this. But for people who haven't read your books or, or come across your content and, and know who you are, maybe you can just start out, you know, please briefly tell us a little about who you are and what do you do typically? <laughs> sure, right. Um, absolutely. So I lead an executive education seminar at Columbia University. Uh, the uh, seminar is called Strategic Storytelling. I've been doing this since uh, actually 2014. And the focus is on uh, storytelling for uh, people who might not think of themselves primarily as storytellers. One of the things about living in a digital world is we're no longer consumers of stories or entertainment or news or anything for that like that for that matter uh, we are uh, participants and that means we're storytellers ourselves and that means we have to understand how stories work awesome yeah and uh, new yorker also of course so <laughs> interesting <laughs> uh, interesting background and uh, so now, recently, uh, you gave out this book, and if you read a little bit about the book uh, and, and uh, so forth, you describe uh, a, an expression called narrative thinking. How would you, if you start there, how would you encapsulate your approach to narrative thinking, and what is that? <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Well, we're all familiar, I think, at this point with the idea of design thinking. And narrative thinking is sort of by analogy. It's, uh, you know, just as design thinking is taking the tools of professional designers and making them available, making them uh, useful to people who aren't professionals, uh, you know, who aren't professional designers, uh, who are perhaps uh, CEOs or chief marketing officers or something like that. Uh, so, uh, narrative thinking is taking the tools of, uh, of professional storytellers, uh, filmmakers, um, television producers, uh, journalists such as myself. That's my background. I was a journalist at Wired magazine for 
10 years and at Fortune and Esquire and other publications before that. Uh, so it's really taking all of these tools that professional storytellers use and uh, making them available, making them understood by, uh, by people who are in a position now to tell stories, but uh, are not perhaps fully aware of how stories work. Um, sometimes I find uh, with people who come to the Columbia program who aren't really fully under, uh, who don't really fully understand the, uh, what stories are, uh, you know, what constitutes a story. And uh, to my mind, you know, there's a couple of answers to that, but the most basic is, Stories are something that happens to uh, people, to individuals over a period of time. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's some sort of narrative arc that takes you from the beginning to the end, and, uh, and it unfolds over time. This is sort of the most critical, the most basic uh, definition of a story, I think. Yeah. And uh, so interesting to hear, and a, and a good parallel to design thinking. Uh, so awesome. And you have teached this uh, for many years now, and so on. Uh, not to forget the, your, your classes at Columbia and so forth. Uh, so you you summarize this in a book, uh, "The Sea with Swimming." So why did you write the book, and what's the core concepts and ideas you you thought? you would like to get into paper there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I actually uh, wrote the book. It, it came out, it came about as a, a sort of an outgrowth of the strategic storytelling program. I realized at a certain point that I wanted to uh, have something to sort of summarize the uh, lessons of the program, uh, something that people could take home with them uh, that would uh, uh, you know, sort of be a handy guide. Uh, you know, I give them, um, I give them my slides, but those are primarily visual. Those are not, uh, uh, you know, it's not the same thing. And so uh, I did this, I created a, like a, you know, 24 page pamphlet basically. And then I realized that, uh, you know, maybe this could be the basis of a book um, that would, uh, you know, sort of, again, summarize, but in a more expansive way for people who have not taken the program. Uh, and so that was the, that was the genesis of the, of the book. The um, bulk of the book, um, the, the largest part of it, I should say, is um, what I call the nine elements of uh, story, the nine key elements of story. And uh, of those, the, the first three uh, are kind of the most critical, um, you know, the, the author, the audience, and the journey, which is to say the journey that you take your audience on. Uh, and then there are others, some of which are not that different from uh, the way storytelling has always been, uh, but some of which are much more specific to digital. Um, for example, character, uh, char stories have always been character driven primarily, but uh, another element that I consider really crucial is the world that they live in. And that used to be just the setting. That was just, you know, where things happened. But a key realization from uh, living in a digital world is that people uh, don't 
as they say, they don't consume stories. They don't just, you know, sit back and let the story wash over them. You know, maybe sometimes if you're um, very tired and watching a, you know, uh, a not very demanding TV show. But in general, that's not how they work. Uh, they work by, uh, they, they work by uh, inviting us into the story. We are, we process stories by uh, sort of imaginatively placing ourselves within the story, you know, maybe in the in the person of the main character, uh, maybe in some other way, but we project ourselves into the story and that's really key. And with that realization comes the um, idea that it's no longer just a setting, it's a world that people uh, want to, uh, hopefully, if they enjoy your story, that people want to inhabit. And it doesn't matter if it's a science fiction world like, you know, Star Wars, say, or if it's uh, something much more, uh, you know, commonplace, uh, much more mundane. Uh, it's still the same. You want people, as a storyteller, you want people to be able to and to want to inhabit the world that you're creating for them. Mm, yeah. Awesome. What what a framework you have outlined there. So uh, that is so interesting. So if you're taking that, uh, what what are the applications you mostly see where this framework can and should be used from your perspective? Well, one of them certainly is uh, advertising or perhaps as a replacement for advertising. It's no secret that uh, most people don't like ads, um, especially ads that uh, are interruptive, uh, you know, that interrupt what you'd rather be doing. Um, you know, this is uh, frankly just as true of a YouTube video uh, as it is of a half hour sitcom or an hour long uh, drama uh, or a, a, a movie. And so that's, uh, you know, I, th I think really important. Uh, the ads that do work much better than others are uh, ads that uh, sort of t that basically tell a story uh, that because stories engage us in an, on an emotional level and that's really key to how stories work um, stories are not about facts they're not about communicating uh, you know that sort of information um, they're about sort of hooking you emotionally and uh, you know I I, I had an exchange on LinkedIn yesterday with someone who uh, sort of put up a, um, a, a, a drawing of two uh, music players, portable music players uh, that would go in your pocket. And one was, you know, they looked identical, but one was labeled Zune and one was labeled iPod. And the uh, difference between them was uh, Zune was identified by uh, its capacity, uh, you know, uh, I forget how many gigs, but uh, you get the idea. The first of those is uh, is is just a statistic. Uh, the second one is the benefit, and that is um, much more uh, critical. That's what people want to know. Uh, so. You know, the iPod and even more, obviously, the iPhone have engaged people emotionally. And there are many uh, examples of that. There's a, a Super Bowl ad that Volkswagen did, and I believe it was 2012 that people still talk about. 
Um, I, it's, it's something I show in my uh, program uh, every every time. So um, that's uh, that's I think the importance of stories. Uh, stories are entertaining. Um, they are uh, useful in that way. Uh, people don't really want to know all the you know statistics about your product. Um, they don't care about that. And if they do care about it, there's no end of places that they can go online to find that information. They'd rather not hear it from uh, from the people who are actually trying to sell the stuff. Yeah, awesome. Great examples. But what do you do if you're a marketeer for, for a pretty lame product where there is little exciting to tell? Do you have any <laughs> tips from the trenches? <laughs> what do you do? It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a process software or it's, a, it's a something, you know, uh, wh where are your sources uh, for inspiration to, to take something pretty lame or pretty common to, to an exciting story that actually moves emotions or, or at least catches attention what's your <laughs> tips there? right uh, that's a that's a very good question and it's one I you know get a fair amount uh, I think that um, you know basically as I say you need to engage people emotionally and one way to do that is to uh, talk about why you're doing something uh, who you are uh, what uh, provoked you to start doing this in the first place uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, people respond to other people. Uh, you know, we, we respond to uh, the human voice and to, uh, you know, both literally and figuratively. And that's really what you, what you want to get across. And in a, a situation like B2B, it's even more uh, important because you have, a, you know, relatively much smaller audience than if you're, you know, uh, say selling fast-moving consumer goods, that sort of thing, and uh, so you have a you're much more likely to have a personal relationship, or at least a semi-personal relationship. And one of the best things that you can do, I think, is to uh, is to develop that is to develop that relationship to uh, give people that you interact with uh, in one way or another to give them a sense of who you are and uh, and why you're doing what you're doing it's very critical that's that's so good i sometimes also wonder what's your experience on on the fine line between you know being bragging or you know humble bragging <laughs> and right. actually being authentic and you know oh this is our story we're so important uh, you know we have done these what well, have you come across any examples or, or ideas on companies that have fine-tuned that line where they actually are exciting and interesting but not coming across as full of themselves. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of the great examples is Mailchimp. Uh, you know, Mailchimp is a uh, is a very big, very successful company now, but they completely bootstrapped themselves. They, you know, they never took venture capital. Uh, they uh, grew from a small company in Atlanta to a, a big company in Atlanta uh, that enables people, gives people the tools to, uh, uh, you know, reach out directly to uh, potential customers. And, um, you know, focusing uh, primarily, of course, on small businesses. 
and uh, you know that's that's the kind of thing that we're that we're really talking about here. You you don't want to be bragging. You don't want to be. Uh, you know you can talk about yourself without uh, you know sort of tooting your own horn, and that's uh, why I think the origin story is always a good place to start, or often in any case. Um, it depends, of course, on what your origins are, but uh, but if you have uh, if you have a good story, that is to say, a story behind you that people are are going to be interested in, that they'll find, uh, you know, inspiring perhaps, or at the very least informative, uh, then that's a really good place to start. One thing you don't want to do. I think is hugely uh, overrated and overworked uh, is the idea of the hero's journey. Uh, you know, this uh, sort of became very popular once we realized that that's sort of how the Star Wars uh, saga unfolded, uh, that it sort of followed that model. And it's a very compelling model. It was, of course, developed by Joseph Campbell, the anthropologist, uh, in his uh, 1949 book. But um, uh, it's not really that applicable to uh, most business situations. Uh, you know, your, your toothpaste or whatever is not on a hero's journey. And, you know, neither are your customers unless maybe your product has been outlawed. And so uh, to, you know, to go that route, I think, is uh, usually a mistake. Interesting. I, I never heard about the the hero saga, or I haven't referred to it from from a business perspective. But that's interesting. But when you say it, I can definitely see some companies go down that narrative road. <laughs> right. So interesting. Um, uh, a few podcasts ago, I had an interesting interview with uh, a guy called Christopher Lockhead, who is uh, a category designer. And one of his theses in his literature and the books he's writing is that for a company to be able to define a category and, and become the leader in a space, they need to have a very strong point of uh, point of view. Sorry, <laughs> point of view, so they can actually see communicate how they see the world from a little bit of different angle maybe than the competitors and therefore also can claim that they are something else or so. How do you see that from, from a storytelling perspective? Have you seen that play out well or do you think that's hard to do or yeah, what's, what's your, uh, should you try to be different or should you try to just find another voice so to say? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, just as each individual is different, you know, we're all the same, but at uh, at one level, but at another level, we're all different and unique and individual. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, the case, or it should, or it certainly should be the case of uh, you know, companies of products and so forth. Uh, so, no, I think that's um, I think that's very important. Alan Kay. Uh, is the uh, computer scientist. He's one of the uh, computer scientists who worked at Xerox PARC in the 1970s, and it was uh, his innovations were among those that Steve Jobs, uh, you know, brought into the uh, Macintosh uh, when it was introduced in 1984. And uh, I profiled uh, uh, Alan. Um, a number of years ago for the New York Times Magazine. And one thing that he sort of 
quasi-famous for saying is, point of view is worth 80 IQ points. And I think that's a really good uh, uh, point to, to make and to keep in mind. Uh, you know, it gives you an advantage. If you have a point of view that's slightly orthogonal to uh, the usual, then you're going to be uh, perceived as, and correctly, uh, perceived as, you know, somewhat different, somewhat uh, unique, and uh, that's going to give people a reason to pay attention. In other words, it's smart to have a point of view regularly. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. The subtitle of your book is, you know, in this the sea with women, how stories work in a data-driven world. Would you talk about data-driven? What do you mean with data-driven? Or do you refer to something there around that is important for stories? Uh, sure. You know, I, in one sense, um, you know, we we use that subtitle because. Clearly, the world that we live in is uh, increasingly uh, driven, which is to say defined and, uh, and, and activated even uh, by data. But I don't think we should uh, confuse data with stories. It's possible, but it's not easy to use data to tell stories. But basically, uh, you know, I think stories are useful for communicating uh, they're really essential for communicating for the reasons that I've just been talking about. Uh, data is, uh, is something different. Um, if you're relying only on data to tell your story, then uh, you're missing a huge opportunity because basically uh, people don't care about data. People don't care about uh, you know, generalizations. They don't care about statistics. Um, people care about other people. Uh, and there are many uh, examples of this that uh, uh, have been explored by psychologists and so forth. But, uh, you know, really it comes down to, uh, you know, if, if we're looking at a statistic, we don't care. It doesn't move us. We know it should, but it doesn't. If we're looking at the same development, say, uh, as it applies to an individual person, you know, say uh, people who who get serious, uh, you know, illness with COVID, or people in the third world who are going hungry or who don't have access to clean water, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, they, uh, if they're just presented as statistics, um, you're not going to get very far. Where data is useful, of course, is in unlocking insights. Uh, you know, you can. Obviously, you can uh, look at data, and if you know what to look for, uh, you can find a great deal of, uh, of information that was, uh, you know, perhaps previously hidden. But uh, otherwise, you are uh, not going to be able to use data uh, very effectively at, uh, at communicating.
it can be done, uh, but it's not easy, and uh, and you have to be very careful how you do it. Awesome. Well, so interesting. So, what do you think if I'm a marketing manager now and I'm you know haven't thought so much about strategic storytelling or or you know these kind of concepts that you're writing about narrative thinking and so forth? What's the first thing I should start thinking about to start doing now if I want to be more strategic and more smart about how to communicate these things? Well, one thing that you could do, of course, is buy my book. Um, <laughs> that's a good, that's uh, a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I think you can um, try to put uh, some of the ideas that we've been talking about and that I explained in, in greater length in the seaweeds women, uh, you know, try to put some of those to practice and see how it works for you. Uh, you know, the idea, by the way, of strategic storytelling is, uh, is, is, you know, what I mean there is not short term and, and tactical. Uh, what I mean is, uh, you know, stories that are long term that, uh, you know, that really define your identity as a as a company or as an individual the kind of people who who take my program at columbia as i said this is an executive education program it's not meant for uh undergraduates or mba students uh it's for uh, typically mid-career or senior level executives we also get uh, a lot of uh, independent professionals such as lawyers and uh, and so forth uh, and we get um, uh, a number of people who work at uh, nonprofits, um, other schools, um, hospitals, uh, organizations like the Red Cross and Doctors Without Borders, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, what's important is to have uh, some, some key stories that are, uh, you know, that define your identity. And storytelling is the best way to define your identity because you're really, uh, you know, talking about, you know, revealing to a certain extent who you are uh, with these stories. And uh, that's what I mean by strategic storytelling. Narrative thinking is about basically understanding what stories are, understanding how they work, understanding how uh, we uh, as individuals respond to them uh, and then being able to uh, to put that to use. Awesome. Well, let's start doing that immediately <laughs> by buying the book. And uh, beside, thank you so much for these insights. That was awesome. And uh, we there's so much to talk about, Frank, but I know you're uh, you're, you have other things on your agenda for today, so so we'll need to move on here. But for people who would like to take part of your thinking and your stories and so forth, and of course can find the book at Amazon or other places, but is there any websites we can send them to as well? Yes, uh, you can uh, get a lot more information on my personal website. It's frankrose.com. Uh, there's uh, uh, pages about um, uh, this book, The Sea We Swim In. There's also a page on my uh, previous book, which, uh, as you mentioned, came out 10 years ago, The Art of Immersion. Uh, that book came about because I had spent 10 years as a writer for Wired magazine and, uh, you know, working at 
covering stories at the intersection of media and technology. And at a certain point, I realized that the way people tell stories was changing as a result of digital technology and the internet in particular. Uh, so in a way that was kind of a precursor to this book. Uh, there's, um, uh, but there's also other resources on uh, the website on frankrose.com and um, uh, you can buy uh, both of these books uh, and uh, as well as um, if you're interested a couple of earlier books that I've done uh, on Amazon or um, uh, other uh, you know local online bookstores. Awesome. Let's make sure we go there and check your stuff out. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. I wish you all the best with your future endeavors and the books to come. And uh, thank you for taking your time with us here at the Legion podcast. Great, great. Thank you, Jacob. Really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.